0: in his dressing room? Yeah. More like half a broom class. tell you.
1: Six years ago, in 1956, Matt King Cole was invited to perform at the Municipal Auditorium here in Birmingham. Mr. Cole was the first Negro asked to play at a white establishment in the city. As soon as he started playing, a group of men attacked him for playing white people's music. They pull him off stage and beat him badly. You asked me once, why Dr. Shirley does this? I tell you, because genius is not enough. It takes courage to change people's hearts. who was in high school Thank the Lord that they survived got my first taste on a Cigarette 45 and since that kiss I rocked all day and parted every night we still argue about who's better Elton John or Billy Joel we still wonder if Kurt really wrote the song she's singing oh no we'll never stop believing it's the journey of our lives so won't you help me pour some sugar on these memories tonight singing Lonely
0: everybody this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event we opened up with that uh, that clip from the movie the Green Book which was uh, 2018 uh, 2018 about a, a concert pianist a, a dr. Donald Shirley uh, a black man who was a, a piano virtuoso uh, who decided to go on a tour into the deep south. Uh, Alabama, Mississippi, Kentucky, and uh, and uh, this guy Tony Valalonga, Tony Lip, who uh, who drove him a white guy who drove him uh, through there to help him stay out of trouble and to uh, be his chauffeur as well, and the uh, and their and their friendship, and I'm watching it the other night. I've watched it about I don't know twenty eight thousand times. It's just one of those movies you can watch over and over. And, uh, it's, uh, it's entertaining and it's funny and it's inspirational. And it's, uh, it's just, it's just a great movie, but the, uh, um, I'm watching it and I'm saying, you know what, when he's one of two, one of the guys in his, uh, trio is saying, Hey, you know, it takes, it takes more than genius, genius. It takes courage to change people's hearts. And I thought about that. I told, told my wife, I said, Hey, that's a good line. That's a good line. I heard it 28,000 times, but it never hit me like it did the other night. And I said, uh, I'm going to use that on my show because it's. I think it says something. People are called to do things in this world, and it takes more than you got to be more than smart. You got to be more than smart. You need to have courage. And I'm not just talking about the courage like Donald Trump has to stand up to the things that he doesn't need to have in his life. That he's he's called to to uh, to try and change his country. And even though he's getting half the half the country, which is like 170 million people, um, that that hate him, while the rest of us love him um, because we see the long termness of what he's doing. But it takes courage to change people's lives, to change people's hearts, and that's even if you're even if you're a uh, even if I I I have a guy who's uh, who I talked to about who's who uh, his company shut down and he's been out of work for uh, a month or so. I talked to him, one of my clients and I said, and I, and I, and I brought him in to talk to him about being the, uh, uh, coming in and learning to do the loan business. And, uh, and he says, well, if I have, if he goes, I'm interested, we'll see, I'm doing some soul search and see if I have the guts to try it. And, uh, and it takes courage to do it, make a career change. It takes courage to, to, to go out on a limb to change your life And most people don't have that, but everybody can. You know, this country, this country, everyone. You know, everybody's equal under the law. Everybody has equal opportunity, but not everybody. You're not. You're not guaranteed to have equal results. And it takes courage to do that. And I said this. This uh, I said last week. This year is going to be the year that I'm going to be pushing people, pushing people to see reality of of this life that. Everybody's not entitled to have free health care. You know we should have that we should have that as a basic service. and but everybody's not you know unless unless doctors are required, if people are required to do 20 years of uh, of schooling and uh, and incur all that debt and they're not entitled to get paid, then everybody shouldn't be entitled to that uh, and have it for free. Everybody shouldn't be entitled to free college. Everybody's not entitled to have a living wage. Everybody's not entitled. You know, it's equal opportunity. If you want to live nicer than me, you have to work harder than me. You have to be smarter than me, and you have to have the courage to, to go after your dream. You know, a lot of people, I see a lot of people say, Hey, you know what? A uh, uh, commission sales, it's just so scary. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that what happens if, if I come up short? You know what? That's the courage you need. Believe in yourself because when you're when you're on full commission or if you're self-employed and you have no one to rely on but yourself to make things happen, it's up to you. And if you have the courage to 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 rely on yourself and your own abilities and uh, and your faith in God and whatever your whatever you uh, you know what whatever God has 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 guided you to do or what it's put in your life, um, if if you don't have the courage to do it, then don't complain. Then don't complain about where you are in life. And uh, anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna try I'm gonna be pushing that all year. I'm gonna be pushing that that there's there's great opportunities out there, and that's America, the land of opportunity. It's not the land of security. Whenever you seek security, you're you're looking for a floor. Hey, the guaranteed minimum. But with with every floor comes a ceiling. So if you want to have a if you want to have a floor that guarantees that you can't fail, then you get a ceiling, which means there's a guarantee you can't succeed any farther than this. So land of opportunity folks And we need to teach that to our kids And we need to teach that to our kids kids And if you don't have the courage to bring it up And talk about it At Thanksgiving dinner, at Christmas dinner at, With your kids and with your uh, With uh, young people that you know Then those guys are doomed Those guys are doomed and America is doomed So anyway That's my, that's my uh, That is my, uh, my soapbox for this year that I'm going to be pushing people to, Hey, be all you can be, be all you can be, do, you know, spread your wings and go, go for it. If you want to, if you want to, uh, you either fly with, soar with the Eagles or, uh, or what's the, what's the other thing? Soar with the Eagles or something with the peck with the pigeons or something. Anyway. So, Hey, if you can't, if you can't run with the big dog, stay on the porch. But staying on the porch, you don't get to eat as good as running with the big dogs. So anyway, uh, I also opened up with that that uh, song, uh, Long Live Rock and Roll. This week this week was the birthday. January 8th was uh, would have been the 85th birthday for Elvis Presley, and it would have been the 73rd birthday for David Bowie. And I'm thinking, I'm going to use a song. I'll use an Elvis song at the beginning of the show, and I'll use a David Bowie at the beginning of the second half. And then I thought, you know what? Uh, Chris Daughtry did that song, Long Live Rock and Roll, and he mentions all these people. And you know what? Uh, I love that song. I love that song, and uh, you know, uh, Elvis Presley was a great. And I thought about that also, because as uh, as I'm going to talk about, as some of the people on uh, on the news were talking about when we uh, when we killed uh, some of the guys on CNN talking about uh, Qasem Soleimani, uh, the the general that Iranian general that we killed, um, that he was he was like Martin Luther King or Elvis Presley or Princess Diana. Oh, gag me with a spoon! You know what? Uh, but anyway, anyway, I go. I uh, I I move on to the to what I'm here to talk about today. Hey, I'm going to talk about everything that went on this week and kind of give you my my input on it, or my my perspective on it. And uh, you know, everyone has a, has a, is entitled to their opinion, and I every, all you guys that listen are entitled to mine. So anyway, uh, before I go on, let me let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you need financing, you want to deal with someone that thinks like you and you can trust, call me toll-free, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. Whether you want to... uh uh, buy a new piece of property or whether you want to refinance a property that you already own and whether that property is in California or or and, uh, whether you want to have a piece of property that you want to buy or refinance in California or another state or also license in Arizona, Nevada, Texas, Arkansas, Florida, Illinois, Kentucky, Ohio, Idaho, and Washington. And uh, give me 30 days, I'll have Oregon on there and another 60 days after that, I'll have a uh, Utah and uh, Colorado. So anyway, if you uh, if you're thinking about if you're thinking about moving or you have a vacation home or something out there, you need to you need financing 855-640-2020. If you want to talk about this stuff but you don't want to talk on the phone, you want to get some information the uh, the 2020 way, uh, log on to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, that'll take you to my lending page. Put in as much information as you want me to have, tell me how much information you want back. And you'll hear back from myself or one of my teammates, uh, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if you want anything repeated, you can get the podcast on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page, and you can hear this this show as well as, well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud, and you can uh, go on iTunes and you can uh, actually subscribe for free, have it download to your... Uh, your uh, computer or your iPhone or your iPad or your iWatch or your, uh, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your puppy pad, uh, anything else that you, anything else. It also works on, uh, on, uh, what do they call those things? Droids, droids. You don't have to have an iPhone. You can have it on any kind of a, any kind of a smartphone uh, or a computer, any of that stuff, anything. I'm sure there's more places you can get podcasts than uh, just on phones and uh and Apple stuff and computers, but I don't know them all yet. Um, If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Ed Hoffman, where I uh, tweet about current events all week long, and the Facebook page for the show is facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. Okay, and if you have comments that you want to send on the show, my email for the show is uh, ed at edhoffman.net. Okay, so anyway, let's talk about what's going on. Uh, one week after the United States killed Iranian general and terror leader Qasem Soleimani, the conflict with Iran has subsided, proving that as Iran responded to Soleimani's killing with a missile strike against bases used by U.S. troops in Iraq, liberal media... Was needlessly scared, was needlessly scaring the American people for two days with rhetoric like this. Uh, this very dangerous moment uh, because of Donald Trump's impulses. These kinds of world changing
1: and historic calamities. We're at the early stages of a hot war. It is a
2: monumental moment. This is exactly what uh, many foreign policy and national security analysts feared here in Washington. This could have a, uh, a very significant effect. We may be on a road uh, to. To a very different Middle East uh, come, come
0: sunrise. You know, people were speculating about whether we're going to war with Iran. I think we've been at war with Iran since 1979. 1979, when they decided to storm our uh, embassy in Tehran and take 440 or uh, take 50 uh, 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 hostages and hold them for 444 days while our president, our Democrat president, Jimmy Carter was playing with his peanuts and not knowing what to do. Uh, 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 I don't know how to how to be tough, so I'm going to let them uh, keep our hostages for 444 days. And uh, the day that Ronald Reagan was inaugurated, they released them. Um, if you guys uh, aren't familiar, if if you guys are too young to remember this, go watch the movie Argo. Argo uh, talks about uh, how they got about uh, 10 of them, I think about 10, 10 people out um smuggled them out and we sent in a special guy in there it was all top secret and uh they never released the information uh to the public till after it was over. Um so anyway, um but ever since then we've been at war with Iran. And for this latest conflict, remember this started in June of this year when they shot down one of our one of our uh our unmanned drones and Trump decided not to attack back. He said, "Hey, this is the red line. I'm not going to kill a bunch of kill a couple hundred Iranians um because we lost a drone, but I will tell you that any more attacks on America or American uh Americans uh American property, Americans interest will be met fiercely." I don't know if he said exactly those same words. I'm I'm uh paraphrasing. And uh then they then they sent a uh, attack on uh, Iraqi military mi- uh military base and one American contractor got killed and a bunch of Iraqi people and there's some uh uh so- and a bunch of people that were that were uh injured as well and we attacked back and killed about 25 Iranians then they stormed our embassy and then we killed uh their head terrorist this uh, general Kassan Soleimani, and realize he's the second guy or the third guy in command in Iran. He's the terrorist. So if the you know if you saw hey, Secretary Mike Pompeo, if, if Mike Pompeo's job was to terrorize the country, what does that say about our government? That we're a terrorist nation, and that's exactly and that's exactly um, what it says about Iran. And so when we take those people out, take those people out. There's all kinds. Of, there's the liberals are going all kinds of of uh, of crazy. Um, come sunrise Wednesday, both American and Iraqi officials confirmed there were no casualties. Oh, so when they after the after they sent the cruise missiles to a military base in Iraq that we use, um, they said first they were reporting all kinds of stuff. And now, Wednesday morning, they said, we did not intend to intend to kill, said Iran's Brigadier General of the Revolutionary Guard on state media. We intended to hit the enemy's military machinery, but still, still repeated the Iranian government's claim that tens of people were killed or wounded in their attack. Yeah, nice try. I meant to do that. In other words, we let Iran save face. Here's some of President Trump's statement after the attack.
2: The American people should be extremely grateful and happy. No Americans were harmed in last night's attack by the Iranian regime. Our great American forces are prepared for anything. Iran appears to be standing down. We have sent a powerful message to terrorists. If you value your own life, you will not threaten the lives of our people. At my direction, the United States military eliminated the world's top terrorist Qasem Soleimani. In recent days, he was planning new attacks on American targets, but we stopped him. Soleimani's hands were drenched in both American and Iranian blood. He should have been terminated long ago.
0: Yep, the president also pointed out where Iran gets the money to attack the United States in the first place.
2: Iran's hostilities substantially increased after the foolish Iran nuclear deal was signed in 2013, and they were given $150 billion, not to mention $1.8 billion in cash. Instead of saying thank you to the United States, they chanted death to America. The missiles fired last night at us, and our allies were paid for. With the funds made available by the last administration
0: yep, and this is not speculation. this is the truth. We gave them one hundred and fifty billion dollars and uh they tried to they tried to put the extra one point eight billion in cash and keep that secret, but somebody took a picture of it and if you look at if you look on the internet and put uh one point eight billion dollars cash to Iran there's pictures of pallets and pallets of of cash and I've, if I remember correctly there's there's a. It wasn't all cash. A lot of it was in gold. And uh, there's all. It's Obama tried to put this over on the American people and not let anybody know what a uh, weasel he is. Uh, and he called. Then uh, you're, you're, Trump called on European European nations to join join us in abandoning the uh, Iran nuclear deal. Iran
2: must abandon its nuclear ambitions and end its support for terrorism. The time has come for the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Russia, and China to recognize this reality. They must now break away from the remnants of the Iran deal, or JCPOA, and we must all work together toward making a deal with Iran that makes the world a safer and more peaceful place.
0: I like if you heard the whole, whole thing's Hey uh, Iran, you guys could be a a good, uh, a a good economic nation. You guys could do this, but you're not going to have a, you're not going to have a nuclear, you're not going to have nuclear bombs. We're not going to let you have nuclear power. And that's just, that's it. It's not like, well, we're going to let you do this and do that. And if you promise not to do this, and then in 20 years, you can get right back at it and kick it down the, kick the can down the road and just, Hey, if you're going to build nuclear bombs, just don't, let anybody see it. We want people to think we're being strong when we're really being a bunch of weasels. Um, and that's, that was the Obama administration and John Kerry. But, just, but despite encouraging other countries to help us create peace, CNN remained determined to convince America that their president is a warmonger. That's why they had this woman as a guest, uh, Masuma Ebteka, who is currently the vice president of Iran for Women and Family Affairs because in Iran, women can't even have the same president as men.
1: The American government, the American president, made a serious miscalculation. They made a serious mistake uh, by assassinating, uh, by taking this terrorist action against uh, Commander Soleimani. And uh, I'm sure that they regret what they've done.
0: Yeah, maybe not. I don't regret it. It's like, hey, maybe we still regret killing Osama bin Laden or... uh... Or uh, what's-his-face in uh, in Iran? Uh, Saddam Hussein. Maybe we regret that. I don't think so. But it makes them sound tough when they say, I'm sure they regret making this mistake. If Abteca sounds familiar, then that's because she was in the media way back in uh, 1979 when I told you when she was uh, the spokesperson for the Iranian, Iranian hostage-takers who held our diplomats for 444 days. Here she is as a 16-year-old girl saying she would personally kill our citizens if we tried to take them out. You said at the press conference the other
1: day, you said yourself, that if there was an attack on this embassy, Mm -hmm. that you would destroy the hostages. Could you really do that? Yes, we mean it.
0: Could you personally lift up a gun and put it to the head of one of these people and kill him?
1: Yes, when I have seen a gun being lifted up, an American machine gun being lifted up, and killing my sisters and brothers in the streets. Of course, oppression and tyranny must be destroyed.
0: Yeah, I don't think she ever really saw that. Obviously, the biggest show Iran put on this week was uh, when the world saw thousands of mourners surrounding Soleimani's casket in the streets of Tehran. Uh, But even that was not what it seemed. Iran has a long history of using rallies to intimidate and silence opposition, and that's exactly what they did this week with the funeral. Here's what really happened according to the BBC News. Iranian government launched a massive effort to mobilize as many people as possible. They declared a national holiday, rallied university students, and demanded that the military personnel and government employees come out with their families. Hey, everybody's off work. It's a national holiday. And since you're not going to work, you better show up at this funeral. They declared, uh, they provided buses and trains and trucks to transport people from villages and towns across Iran. They relentlessly advertised on state TV. And, of course, they circulated threats Monday and Tuesday. Uh, people turned up in large numbers as they felt required to do so. Iran does, does this all the time. So what most of us suspected was true. But the morons in our media still believe the mourning was genuine, especially Chris Matthews, who actually compared Soleimani to Princess Diana and Elvis. When Princess Diana died, for example, there was a huge emotional outpouring. Uh, these kinds, of, Elvis Presley in our culture. It turns out that this general we killed was a beloved hero of the Iranian people to the point where, look at the people we got pictures of now,
2: these enormous crowds coming out. There's no American emotion in this case, but there's a hell of a lot of emotion on the other side.
0: Yeah, that's what they want you to think anyway. But then there's New York Times reporter uh, Michael Barbaro, who compared Soleimani, a terrorist who killed hundreds of U.S. soldiers with IEDs, to Martin Luther King.
1: What you're describing feels like the kind of unified national outpouring that is reserved for a small handful of figures in any country, right? I mean, a beloved president, a civil rights leader like Martin Luther King,
0: yeah, I just like it. And yes, someone in the media managed to invent an impo- invisible connection to Russia. That someone was mourning Joe Scarborough.
2: It would be hard to believe that Donald Trump would launch attacks into Iran without speaking first of Vladimir Putin. This would obviously lie at the heart of Vladimir Putin's interest since Iran has long been seen by Putin as a client state of Russia.
0: Yeah, I don't know why... Uh, why uh... They keep Morning Joe on TV because he's obviously a moron. Hey, anyway, I'm out of time for this uh, first half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of uh, weather, commercial, traffic, and sports. And I'll be right back with part two of the main event. Don't go away. We
1: still argue about who's better, the Beatles or the Stones. They're forever 27, Jimmy Janis, Rodden Jones.
0: Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about mortgages and financing and real estate on the radio because uh, I think if you're not in the market, it just gets boring to you. But but if you are in the market to uh, buy or refinance or get a reverse mortgage, um, I will tell you we're getting so many calls on reverse mortgages right now because I guess... uh, there's so many of us baby boomers that are getting to that age. If you're over 62 and you have equity in your house and you have more uh, and you have more time left in your life than you have money and you want to figure out how to how to even that out, call me toll free at 855-640-2020, 855 640 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo and we can do it over the computer. Um whether you want to refinance or even if you don't want to do reverse mortgage, if you want to buy a house, one of your kids wants to buy a house so you can get them off your couch. They've been there since, since 2008 when they lost their first house. And now it's time it's 12 years later. It's about time. You guys got off our couch, go buy a house of your own. Uh, Rates are great. It's a great time. It's a great time in, uh in real estate. It's a great time in uh, mortgage financing. And uh, it's a great time. It's a great time for you guys to uh, put yourself in a better financial position. Anyway, 85-640-2020 at Hoffman.net. Click on Summit Funding logo. So anyway, uh, we were talking about all the all the propaganda going out there about what's going on between the United States and Iran. We ended with uh, Joe Scarborough, uh, him and uh, Mika, his uh, his wife on there. I, I just I you know I MSNBC CNN. Those guys have gone so far to the dark side of of uh reporting about what's going on. It's just it's just amazing to me. And at some point we all have to start having some enlightenment and uh and paying attention to what's going on and being real. And uh I remember uh I remember a guy named uh Loud Esmond He used to be on the on this radio station. Um I think his name was really Lou Desmond, but uh he was he was a big Joe Scarborough fan. No wonder he's gone. So anyway, that's just me. I could be wrong. So anyway, let's talk about uh, in the wake of the conflict with Iran, liberals on Twitter were expressing their moral superiority by making hashtag I voted for Hillary Clinton trend all week long. Like it's cool to say, hey, I didn't vote for Trump. I voted for Hillary Clinton. That just said, why don't you just put a hashtag? I'm an idiot. Hashtag. I'm a moron. Hashtag. uh, I, I, I used to have brains, but then I voted for Hillary. I don't know. So, uh, including including Hillary herself, who tweeted a gif of herself as first lady back in the uh, 1990s. I don't think, even though if she was first lady yet. But uh, they have this gif of her saying good morning with a hashtag. Well, good morning. Remember what I used to look like when I was in high school? Amazing. Just one big problem. The first time she ran for president, Hillary Clinton also had an aggressive Iran strategy that included the possibility of a major attack. In fact... I think she said it was an obliterating strategy.
2: If Iran were to launch a nuclear attack on Israel, what would our response be? And I want the Iranians to know that if I'm the president, we will attack Iran. Whatever stage of development they might be in their nuclear weapons program in the next 10 years, during which they might foolishly consider launching an attack on Israel, we would be able to totally obliterate them.
0: Yeah, uh, do we need to wait for a nuclear attack or is it... Do you think it'd be better if we just uh move before it gets to that uh Americans, which makes you feel more comfortable? We're gonna wait till they drop a nuclear bomb and then we're gonna kill them or if we know what their intentions are and we see where they're going and we don't have to wait for them to melt down you know a couple of million people. Let's just see when they kill a few people and uh and and tell us what their intentions are that we move. Um, and it wasn't just Iran after America used uh, covert military support to kill Mo- uh, Muammar Gaddafi, the, uh, the head guy in Libya. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton literally laughed about it on 60 Minutes.
2: That is the land of unconfirmed videos. we came, we saw, he died. <laughs> <laughs> did it have anything to do with your visit? No, I'll, I'm sure it did.
0: Yeah, obviously Hillary Clinton was a uh, big Ghostbuster fan.
2: We came, we saw, we kicked its ass.
0: Yeah, so, uh, but she doesn't have any original lines of her own. Most of the Democratic candidates for president wouldn't dare step out of line with the Hillary should be president now narrative, except for Tulsi Gabbard, uh, who is the, the least stupid person of uh, the people on that are running, but she has not She has no chance of winning. Uh, who on Wednesday said this.
1: Everybody knows and understands
2: that she is a warmonger. Uh, look to her influence on uh, going to launch a regime change war in Syria, Libya. You look throughout, uh, obviously, her support for the war in Iraq, uh, throughout her history. Her track record is well known. And I think this is why a lot of people uh, back in 2016 in the general election decided that they would vote for Trump because of what he he was saying on the campaign trail about ending stupid wars and bringing our troops home.
0: Yeah. But Trump has taken a stand with strength. And then he, then he says, Hey, he obviously sent a message to not just to Iran, but to Syria and Libya and North Korea and everybody else who might think about sending over a bomb or some, uh, or some, uh, some suicide bombers or to make any kind of attack you know, on we're going to take the Americans out two or three or twenty at a time. I think he sent a message to them all that we're not screwing around. Well, so when he says, "Hey, if Iran wants to go to war, we're going to end it very quickly," I think uh, I think they know he's serious now. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi took a stand on Iran this week too. By forcing members to vote on a war powers resolution that would limit President Trump's ability to authorize military actions against Iran and other nations, the resolution requires that the president the, to con, requires the president to consult with Congress in every possible incident before introducing United States armed forces into, into hostilities. Ah, uh, sure, that makes sense. Uh, it also directs the president to terminate the use of United States armed forces to engage in hostilities in or against Iran, or any part of its government or military, unless this is a specific blessing by Congress. Yeah, hey, we got this Soleimani guy in the crosshairs. Uh, Let's have some hearings and see if it's okay to pull the trigger. Um, I think that, you know, oh man, took three weeks, but we got the okay. Ah, he moved. Where is he now? I think the Clinton administration did the same thing in 1996 when they had bin laden in the crosshairs five years before 9-11 uh they had opportunity to take him out but he was near a saudi arabian crown prince or something they were golfing or or uh you know playing uh pin the tail on the camel or something like that and uh and clinton was too tied up in in uh, monica lewinsky stuff at the time so he didn't you know the in the in the the next in command wouldn't give us the go ahead to pull the trigger and we could have probably saved a bunch of lives. And it makes me wonder as well, this uh, Soleimani guy uh, was was the one that driving all these uh, amplified impl- explosive devices where all of our, uh, our uh, military guys are driving over these things in Iraq and Afghanistan and getting blown up or getting parts of their bodies blown up. I bet you he's probably responsible. I've heard 600 people, but I bet you he's probably responsible for more people than died in 9-11. But oh, we want—we just don't think this is a good thing. And quite frankly, I don't remember anybody giving uh, Obama, I don't remember them having Congress okay Obama to kill Osama bin Laden. And I don't remember anybody calling him a, a, war, a war criminal after that happened. And uh, I just, you know, and he sent in uh, missiles and killed the uh, Momar Momar Gadda- uh, Gaddafi and in Libya and then they backed up and said okay we're gonna lead now we we set the first bomb in now we're going to lead from behind we're gonna let the other nations lead and I don't think anybody I don't think Congress said it was okay to do that either Obama and his advisors made a decision and they did it and nobody called him a war criminal afterwards so it's amazing uh, but not everyone in Congress was on board for Nancy's Theatrics here's Liz Cheney
1: In the wake of missiles raining down on American uh, service members in Iraq, uh, Speaker Pelosi is is saying that it was needless provocation on our part. She's blaming the United States of America. She's suggesting a moral equivalence between the United States and Iran. Uh, I think she is clearly an embarrassment.
0: Uh, I would have to agree with her statement. Nancy Pelosi is, in fact, an embarrassment. Uh, it's embarrassment to me as an American, and it's an embarrassment to me as a Californian, as I see her and her family destroying our great state of California. And realizing when you see what's going on in San Francisco, and you see what's going on in Los Angeles, all the same, all the same laws that were passed in 2018, that means that we we uh, we let criminals just go free. And we let, and we and you see, if you watch Tucker Carlson, you see what's going on in San Francisco. No one's afraid to break the law because all they get is a citation and they go on. They don't even put them in jail and they don't have to do anything because criminals don't care if they break the law. They don't care if they have a a warrant out because the cops can't pick them up anyway. Those are the same laws that are passed for every city in this, in this, in this state. For all you idiots that voted like that or, or vote on the propositions without reading them and understanding them. Well, I got a thing in the mail says, vote this. I got a th- I saw a commercial on TV and it said, vote no on Proposition 6. Of course, it's going to make the gas prices go down. And it's going to make the the state accountable to the people. No, nah, I don't think it's a good idea because i got potholes in the street. I don't know about you, but I, I'm running into potholes all over the place. And uh, Proposition 6 failed. So where's all that money going to? Uh, I think, but you know, her Nancy Pelosi's nephew Gavin Newsom up there in Sacramento is destroying the rest of our state. And you watch what happens to this uh, this great economy of California as this gets worse and worse if we don't recall him. Uh, And if you haven't signed the petition to recall uh, Gavin Newsom, we have till uh, February 15th to get a million and a half signatures. I don't know how many they have, but if you haven't had the chance to sign one or found one online that you could sign and send in, uh, come by my office at two, three, three, two, eight, Olivewood Plaza in Merino Valley. And, uh, and we have the, uh, the petitions at the front desk, um, and we'll get them into where they need to go. Um, but how does it make America look in the eyes of our global, the other global leaders? Uh, I don't think it makes us look very strong. I mean, in two thousand four, the Ivory Coast killed nine French peacekeepers and an American at the Ivory Coast, which is the west west side of the continent of Africa, over there by uh, um, Sierra Leone and uh, and those you know over. If you've seen Blood Diamond, it's on that side of the of the. So they killed they killed uh, nine uh, French peacekeepers and one American in France. Of all people, the brave men of France destroyed the Ivory Coast complete military. Just destroyed it. They obliterated it. But you know, we killed one guy because they uh, attacked us, and uh, and the and the liberals are all all up in arms. They're all having a they uh they're all having a fit. So three weeks after the House House of Representatives voted to impeach Trump. Pelosi still hasn't sent articles of impeachment to the Senate. And finally, members of her own party are losing patience with her, her delay tactics. Some of their remarks to reporters this week, uh, Wednesday, Joe Manchin uh, said, I think it's time to turn the articles over. Uh, Richard Blumenthal, who's a real moron. We are reaching the point where articles of impeachment should be sent. Chris Coons. I do think it's time to get on with it. Thursday, California's own Diane Feinstein. She's about 95 years old. Um, I don't quite know what the strategy is. If you're going to do it, do it. If you're not going to do it, don't. And obviously they're going to do it, so I don't understand the delay. You know, and, uh, and Pelosi and Feinstein are bosom buddies. You know, they're probably neighbors in San Francisco. Uh, Pelosi said in her Thursday press conference that she'll send the articles over when she's good and ready. And that, that won't be until Mitch McConnell presents a resolution outlining the terms for the Senate trial. I'll send them over when
1: I'm ready. And that will probably be soon. We want to see what they're willing to do and the manner in which they will do it. But we will not let them say, oh, this is just like Clinton, fair is fair. It's not. Uh, documents, documentation, witnesses, facts, truth. That's what they're afraid of.
0: Yeah, that's what the Republicans are afraid of. I think that's what the Democrats are afraid of why they wouldn't let Republicans. Colony witnesses in, uh, in the impeachment uh, hearings before they voted to impeach. And of course, most of them, a bunch of them, voted to impeach before the, the uh, phone call that they impeached him about even happened.
1: The Democrats are really undermining their own, own argument here because... Seventeen out of the twenty-four Democrat members on the Judiciary Committee voted here on this floor to put forward, move forward, articles of impeachment on July 17th of this year, before the, President Trump's call even took place. And five out of the nine Rules Committee members that are Democrats did the same thing. So if your argument is that this phone call is the main reason for this impeachable offense why did you vote for impeachment moving impeachment forward before the call even took place
0: So you know it's it's all BS they decided to impeach and then then figure out what the what the what the crime would be afterwards and the Republicans want to bring on fact witnesses of all the witnesses that the Democrats brought on only one of them had actually talked to Trump and admitted that Trump said I don't want anything from the Ukrainian uh, president. I want I don't want any quid pro quo. Just tell him to do the right thing. And that's the only person who actually ever heard directly from President Trump and the rest of them were just uh Trump haters that wanted to talk about uh philosophy and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe uh, I think Nancy Pelosi's putting on a putting on a show. I think Nancy Pelosi Probably lost control of her, uh, of her, uh, her party, and got pushed into impeachment when she knows there was nothing there, and now she's afraid that if they push over to the Senate, it's going to make everybody look bad. It's going to make, uh, it's not only going to make them look like idiots, but they're probably going to bring on the the Republicans are going to bring on witnesses. That are going to open up, open up all kinds of other stuff that they don't want anybody to know. They don't want anybody to know why people are spending billions of dollars to get a four hundred thousand dollar a year job. They don't want to know. They don't. They don't want anybody to know how how you come work uh, work in Congress for years and years and years and uh, make one hundred seventy two thousand. And of course, years and years and years ago, it was much less than that. But you're making ten thousand to fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars a a month um and somehow you come out and I'll tell you that 10,000 a month means 5,000 a month take home that's not rich. So somehow these people are coming out gazillionaires after they've been in doing public service all these all these years because there's because what they want to be in 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 uh, Congress for is to have access to that big pot of cash called taxpayer funds. So the the budget, the federal budget never has to balance. We just spend money as we need it. And if the Congress people say, hey, I need to hire my girlfriend and pay her $160,000 a year to be my uh, chief of staff, which means uh, my chief of staff means uh, she does stuff, something underneath the desk for me. And then I'm going to hire uh, my da- her daughter to go in my, this other office over here and pay, that, pay her $100,000 a year. That's us taxpayers paying all that stuff. No wonder people want to run for congress. They want to run for senate. They want to be in there. No wonder they spend so much money to get a job that doesn't doesn't pay that great. And they don't care if they're doing anything. They just all they care about is they don't care if they're making a difference for our country. They really only care that they keep their keep their job because that's their access to the money tree. And uh quite frankly as a taxpayer, that enrages me. That enrages me and it and it, and it angers me that more people Aren't mad? I'm trying to keep my uh, trying to keep my language to where it says I'm. Oh, that we're okay. So remember, uh, let's not forget that Adam Schiff based his entire impeachment case on Trump's conversation with the Ukrainian president about Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's 50 year old man baby. So, uh, so let's talk about Hunter Biden and his man baby, man baby, uh, or Joe Biden's man baby. Let's talk about Hunter Biden. The 50-year-old 50-year-old little adolescent. Uh, the paternity results are in. And Hunter Biden, you are the father. So uh, could use a Jerry Springer or a Maury Povich or a reference there for all those. You are the father paternity things. They do DNA. An Arkansas judge ruled Tuesday that Hunter Biden is the biological and legal father of a child he fathered with a stripper last year. Citing the results of the DNA test, the judge shut down Hunter's prior denials of paternity in an eight-month court battle. In the filings, 29-year-old London Alexis Roberts told the court that Hunter Biden had no involvement in the child's life since birth, never interacted with the child, and could not identify the child out of a photo lineup. The judge ruled that Biden shall have visitation with the child as agreed between the parties. Uh, Somehow that doesn't really make sense to me, but, uh, but, That's the courts. Also complicating matters for Hunter. Just weeks after the lawsuit was filed, he abruptly married another woman, South African filmmaker Melissa Cohen, who is now visibly pregnant herself. They're currently living in a $3.5 million house in Hollywood Hills that if you uh, watch Twitter, uh, Ann Coulter Coulter, uh, blasted out a tweet saying that, hey, Hunter Biden just got into a... I think she said it was $2.5 million mansion. Well, it's not a mansion. It's just a house in Hollywood Hills um, for for $14,000. How do you buy a house like that? It was listed for rent. So I'm assuming that it was listed for $14,000 a month, which probably isn't unreasonable for that area. When, when Scott was here a few weeks ago, as well as I, I mentioned this uh, several months ago, um Get, we talked about this stuff on uh, Hunter Biden, that how he got discharged from the Navy for smoking crack. Here's some more, th- some more stuff that you may not have known about Hunter Biden. Uh, he's not just a drug-dealing, deadbeat dad, and fake Ukrainian uh, energy expert. Uh, just three years ago, before he impregnated the stripper, uh, he married another woman and got her pregnant too. He was dating the widow of his deceased brother, Beau Biden. The romantic story goes like this. First... Biden was kicked out of the house by his first wife, Kathleen. Mother of mother to his first three children in a divorce filing, Kathleen Biden said, Hunter created financial concerns for the family by spending extravagantly on his own interest, including drugs, alcohol, prostitutes, strip clubs, and gifts for women with whom he'd had sexual relationships, while leaving the family with no funds to pay legitimate bills. So after his wife kicks him to the curb, the son of the vice president of the United States then spends a week in a homeless encampment in, in Los Angeles, Doing crack, as I guess people do when you're a homeless person in Los Angeles. He has a gun pulled on him, gets in a fight outside a Hollywood nightclub, and a man named Baby Down took pity on him and dropped him off at a Hertz rental car office. Well, he's homeless and moneyless. Oh, maybe he wasn't moneyless. They got him to a Hertz rental car office. Hunter drives the rental car to Arizona, where Hertz workers called the cops after finding crack pipe and a bag of cocaine along with a Secret Service business card, with a Secret Service business card, Hunter, Hunter's driver's license, and his brother Bo's Delaware Attorney General badge. Rather than go to jail, Hunter got to stay in a resort-style rehab in Phoenix where Bo's widow, where Bo's, so his sister-in-law, his former sister-in-law before his brother died of a of a brain tumor, um... She flew to meet him, and they decided to become a couple, and they stayed together for two years. How sweet. That's just adorable. And to top it all off, here's another lawsuit alleging that some of the items found in the rental car were being used to commit identity theft, including Beau Biden's attorney general badge. Hunter Biden, everyone, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? You know what? I tell you, our kids are a reflection of how we parented them. Our kids are a reflection of how good of parents we are. So if your kid is a screw-up, you probably weren't the, the parent you should have been. If your kid is successful, if your kid has ethics, if their kids know better than to screw people over, if your kids care about people, then you are probably a good parent. It's not about what kind of college degree they have, and it's not about what college degree you have. Being a good person is character. And I will tell you I mentioned this last week that my wife Dawn is a better person than I am and she has better character and I'm meaner and meaner and and more vicious than her, but over the last 31 years she's taught me to be more caring, more charitable, more godly and 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 in those in that process we raised our kids. And she taught them to be that way and I and I'm proud to say that my kids Pay their own bills, and not that they always have, but they all they pay their own bills. They're successful. They're good people, all three of them. And they and they uh, they're good people. They give to charity and they don't screw people over. You know what? What does that say about Joe Biden? This is the guy who's leading the polls in the in the several several states. And in the next six weeks, we're going to see a whole bunch of voters go to the polls and they're going to say, hey, of all these morons, Joe Biden is our guy. He's not really all there anymore. He's a good guy that we can trust. We know he, he uh, extorted money out of the, out of the uh, uh, U.S. government to give to the Ukrainians and filter it back through his son and, and, uh, and extort money that way. But we think he should be president better than Trump. Think about that, folks. Anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So go out there and be good people. Be ambitious. Teach your kids. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. The
1: opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, MLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated, MLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, April Housing Opportunity.